Welcome to the greatest discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the Greatest Generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. What is it? It's like five or six days after Star Trek Las Vegas. It sure is. And uh, I'm still feeling it. (laughs) I'm still feeling whatever that was. I left Vegas to go to uh, Durango, Colorado. So you're still feeling Durango. I'm still feeling, yeah, I'm still feeling the like altitude stuff. Uh-huh. But, but like I was, uh, I was in Vegas on Wednesday and Thursday mm-hmm. and then I left Friday. Yeah, early Friday and I left late Saturday. And I got texts from you Saturday morning about like how hard you went Friday night. You got texts from me Friday night at four in the morning, <laughs> which uh, was about. I didn't as, see them till I got up, Adam. Which was about as late as I've been out partying in years. God, damn. easily. What happened? <laughs> Let's use the Marin Open this episode to talk about Star Trek Las Vegas. Yes. Let's do it. Uh, It was a a weird year for Star Trek Las Vegas because it's no longer called Star Trek Las Vegas. Yeah. It's called 55-Year Mission Las Vegas. It's a real store brand Star Trek convention right now. (laughs) It might as well have been nice science fiction show. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just the name. Like, you saw evidence of this all over the place. this This had been a convention that you and I had gone to several times, and you're used to seeing... Uh, official photographs of in-character actors right. and typefaces familiar to those who watch the series and, and so forth. The decorations that they did have seemed like they'd gone on like deviant art and just licensed the most generic sci-fi digital artwork they could possibly get their hands on. I've got some sympathy from their position. Like, I, I don't know whether you lose the license or you get it taken from you. I'm not sure about what happened with between creation and the official Star Trek people, but we, man... We would be fools to speculate. But a rough ride for them, I think, on a number of levels, <laughs> beginning with the branding. Yeah. And also uh, to have it at the Rio, which is a place in the netherworld of Las Vegas casinos. It's not just off the Strip. It's always been off the Strip. But this year, coming out of the pandemic, the Rio was a casino without really a company running it that cared about it. Um, yeah. The Rio... Came out of the pandemic and was sort of taken under the the Caesar's Palace properties arm as sort of a caretaker company. Yeah, it's it's kind of a ghost casino. It's like it, it is being run, but no money is being invested in it. And the upkeep is not really there. It's short timer syndrome for the Rio because it's about to be closed, remodeled and reopened. Yeah. And these are the last few months of it in its current state and that's like that's like the double-edged sword of what the convention went through it's not just losing yeah. the ip it's the place that it was held we uh did a little 
uh, pool day, you and I, and uh, we invited friends of DeSoto that uh, saw our social media posts to come join us on the pool deck. Yeah. We had a ton of fun, but uh, I got there a little earlier than you and I was like sitting in the bar uh, so before we checked into our cabana that we rented for the day and I heard the bartender, you know, going over the like morning bar notes with the waitresses and he was telling them about all of the different beers that were 86 because they were out of stock and just he was just like i don't i don't know when we will get these things and it was like all the beers like all the key beers (laughs) were out of stock yeah we drank miller lights all day because that was the like the crushable beer that we could get that we could agree on not even biff tannen likes miller light i have your car towed all the way to your house and all you got for me is light beer But here's the thing, like in saying that, I want to be totally clear. The overmatched bartenders at the Masquerade Bar, of which there was one working, and the two at iBar, and the pool deck servers out there were fucking great. Yeah. All of them were great and working their asses off in some really difficult conditions on just so many levels. Yeah. They're getting their asses kicked out there, and I hope that everyone who went to STLV tipped them even more than usual. I, I sure do too. Um, it, it it was a real reminder of how how many people's lives have been like completely fucking upended in the yeah. last year and a half, and uh, to take care of those people as much as we could was something that you and I took pretty seriously. Yeah. Um, and like, we didn't spend a ton of time in the convention. We walked the hall in the back room where they have the like merch and, uh, and stuff for sale. We, uh, connected with Noah Averback Katz, who waved us over to, uh, say hi to him and Mary Wiseman, who were sitting right next to each other. Yeah. And, uh, they're, they're just the cutest couple. And it was really cool to like, actually say hi in person after uh, Mary came on the show and uh, we'll definitely get Noah on the show sometime soon. Noah's definitely the coolest person that's ever recognized me in public. <laughs> I know. And it was very unexpected because we were both wearing masks. Yeah, and, and we were like talking to him and then the, a couple of uh, young women walked by in cosplay and one of them was dressed as an Andorian and he's like, sorry, I gotta, I gotta stop talking to you yeah. guys because I need to take a picture with this lady. These are my people. <laughs> yeah. It was really cool. Um, yeah. The convention itself made the decision to honor Gene Roddenberry. Uh, the Gene Roddenberry Centennial yeah. event is what it was. And uh, all over the place, giant fixtures uh, honoring him. And I want to talk a little bit about that because I definitely had some feelings. And I'm wondering if you did too. I was a little sad not to see any tributes to his attorney. You know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Who, if you've seen Chaos on the Bridge, kind of deserves his own documentary. (laughs) I mean, look, for all of the obvious reasons, it makes a lot of sense to celebrate the guy who's responsible for Star Trek. Yeah. But I think it's always dangerous to elevate a person above the movement they started, especially now. Yeah. And I didn't like seeing that. So much more than one man, you know? I agree. I think that uh, watching Chaos on the Bridge really drove that home for me. Like, the credit goes as much to the showrunner as it does to the writers and the actors and the other people that work on the show. And the its faults also accrue to the showrunner and the writers and the act. Like the, yeah. And 
there is this like treatment of Gene Roddenberry that feels a little bit like he is somehow above reproach. And I think that that's a bad mindset to be in, especially if you're a fan, you know, like that's how you get the, the freaks on Rotten Tomatoes saying not my Star Trek about every single thing that that ever happens after the thing they watched when they were nine. You know, what made me feel really good was like when we were hanging out in mixed company and we would walk by one of the, the giant displays honoring Gene, like there was a fair amount of like, thanks, but, <laughs> but moving on. Yeah. And I know how hard that's gotta be. Like when, I when you are just like what they could get, when you lose the IP, what do you got? You got Gene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i did a thing out there ben mm. and you and you found out about it after the fact i got into the pocket just a little bit yeah i sat in on a morning show on the roddenberry stage you were on the mission log morning show adam i was and uh i had a lot of fun doing it <laughs> i uh i had done a bit of partying at the convention and you and i uh you and i met up with john champion yeah. drinks were taken to the dome mm -hmm. he's a very pleasant and fun and funny person i don't know how john champion does it he was up at eight to do a morning show at nine every morning of the convention damn and had been partying as late as anyone else every night wow i couldn't do that <laughs> So he's like, yeah, come on the show, sit in and we'll, and we'll talk about Star Trek. And I did. And I had a great time Fun on that show. Can we hear this episode somewhere? Yeah. Mission Log's got their YouTube uh, channel. We can stick it in the show notes. Oh, we can even see it. Yeah. You can even see me wear shorts on stage, <laughs> which I have great regrets about. <laughs> I didn't pack any pants because I didn't think I would be on a show on a stage, but there I this am. This is how you get away with the one bag pack. Yeah, exactly. I, I one-bagged it on this pack, and yeah. uh, it's been something I've been trying to do <laughs> on my trips lately, which you just shake your head at. Like, why yeah, even? Just, why do that? Just get the extra bag. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Wear some pants, idiot. <laughs> yeah. The thing that really stressed me out when we got to Vegas uh, with the bombed-out half-open Rio was that the zebra bar yeah was not open no nope. when we got there and uh it was said that it was not going to be open until friday and that was no good for me because i was out on friday morning yeah but uh i got lucky they opened it up for like three hours on thursday evening and i managed to get a hoof in did you get a hoof in my friend i did not oh i didn't get a hoof in my heart breaks for you uh not only that i did something that is probably going to devastate a lot of our friends at DeSoto. <laughs> yeah. On on the repack, on the out day, I couldn't get the hoof in the bag. I fucking left it. Oh. I left the hoof behind. What? Because it's the convention isn't going to be at we the Rio anymore. One rule as a podcast, Adam, and it is leave, leave no, no hoof, hoof behind. behind. Yeah. I left it behind. Fuck. Are we going back to the Rio ever? No. That's how I thought of it. The Rio won't be the Rio next time we're there, probably. They're taking out Hoof Bar. Yeah. Yeah, RSVP the Rio, But I you guess. have nothing to remember it by. I clearly don't. <laughs> I, I definitely browned out that night of the 4 a.m. party. <laughs> I had some words for Dr. Star Trek that night. Yeah. As I remember. Well, as I barely remember. The uh, the next day, were you, uh, were you like walking up to doors and they were failing to open for you? 
Oh, I had a problem getting in my room the last day for sure. My much, keys at that point had been demagnetized utterly. Much like Ensign Boimler in today's episode of Lower Decks. God, such a professional pivot. I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> I'm just ready to talk about Vegas more. It's season two, episode three. We'll always have Tom Paris. Ransom is welcoming Boims back to the Cerritos in a very, yeah, cool, uh, now that you're back, everything should be fine. If it's not fine, take it up with Billups. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great power move. Like, even an XO on a California-class ship can still stick the shit work onto other people. <laughs> He's still delegating those tasks. I love it. Yeah, Boims is not in the voice command system, so he starts the episode asking the replicator for something to eat and it keeps spitting back error messages at him. Jennifer, like f three people back in line, fucking pissed about this. Yeah, they're really turning Jennifer against us and our and our characters on the show. <laughs> it's true. They're doing a good job cultivating that Jennifer antipathy. Yeah. Do you think they have replicator rations on the Cerritos or is that just a Voyager we're stranded thing? The question that came to mind for me was like, could you ever get bored in a restaurant that served everything? Yeah. I mean, I've never been to a cheesecake factory, but I've never heard anybody <laughs> make that complaint. Yeah. <laughs> it is utterly a cheesecake factory on that ship. <laughs> um, Tendi is pissed off because she got passed over for a big promotion. Some other ensign in uh, Six Bay happened to cure the captain of some terrible disease. She was in the right place with the right hypo spray. <laughs> and therefore, Tendi, she's pissed and she feels like she's got to kind of double down on her work ethic and stuff. She's a try even harder. Yeah. So she's like going to go off and, and do some, some hard trying. But back on the scene is Shax, a character that Rutherford clocks, ordering uh, ketchup on, on his hot dog. <gasps> And uh, Rutherford is traumatized by this for good reason. The last time we saw Shax yeah. was when uh, he was saving the baby bear's life. Yeah. In a scene that at the time you and I both described as very affecting in all of the best Star Trek kind of ways. Yeah. And uh, Shax is back in a way that goes unexplained. And like, no, there, there was no uh, bosun's uh, whistle. But the captain giving the crew context for this. I mean, it's explained, but in a wave it away kind of way. Yeah. Like the bridge crew always comes back is sort of like the boilerplate yeah. reaction to this. Which is a bit of a dunk on uh, all other Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Tendi gets a mission from Dr. Katz. Her name is Dr. Tana. Who is uh, looking a little feral in her office. Yeah. Dr. Katz. Uh, you know when Dr. Katz stops taking care of herself, it uh, can mean she's probably sick. <laughs> Time to take her into the other six bay, the yeah. veterinary six bay. <laughs> Do you think when she needs a checkup, she's got to get put in a little carrier <laughs> to be taken there? Yeah. Do you think they take Dr. Katz's temperature in her butt? <laughs> Uh, the mission is uh, is to go pick up something for her on Quaylor 2, which is a planet that we are familiar with from uh, TNG days. It's one of the locations that you and I have talked about wistfully as a place that they should do Star Trek more often. Yeah. And not on the planet surface. We're talking about an orbit because Quaylor 2 is the site of the Starship Junkyard. Yeah. But it's also where uh, we learned about the song Malota. Yeah. It's where, uh, you know... 
I mean, a lot, a lot of fun stuff happened in that bar. So yeah. I'm, I'm not mad at doing, doing it on the surface. No. Sometimes the surface is uh, the only place to put it. Yeah. <laughs> Boimler walks into um, the, the hangout area in the shuttle bay that we always spend time in. Did you ever watch Taxi? Uh-huh. This is like the set from Taxi. That's a great comp, actually. I bet yeah. that's I bet that's what they put up on the wall when the when the writers' room first started. Yeah, figuring this series out. It's really got that vibe. The gang is always hanging out in the shuttle garage. Yeah. They're always wrenching on the Sequoia. Yeah, and uh, Boimler is super excited because Tom Paris is coming to the ship, who is apparently still a lieutenant. Yeah, uh, that made me sad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's. Uh, He's got a commemorative Tom Paris plate. A plate that we held at Star Trek Las Vegas. Yeah. It's a real thing. They they made it. We also discovered that there's some commemorative plates out there that are just like random characters from different series. Yeah. Like there's a commemorative plate with like Quark, Tasha Yar, Chakotay, and... Wesley Crusher or you know like yeah there's some plates that really feel like a randomization happened yeah. and like let's see what these three characters look like on a plate this one's got Neelix Dr. McCoy <laughs> <laughs> and an exocomp <laughs> like why did they make this one they just put the character names in a in a bingo randomizer and pull them out <laughs> Boimler is the fan of the show. He's the fan character. Yeah. He loves Star Trek. He loves being in Star Trek. He loves the the characters in Star Trek. It makes me jealous of Boimler. Like, yeah. he is excited, as excited about this shit as I would be. Yeah. He talks about Voyager as Voy. Mm-hmm. Gets made fun of until until Mariner discovers that it is fun to talk about Voyager as Voy. This plate isn't his only plate. He's got a plate case that he opens <laughs> up. And I couldn't help but like physically look up and over the top of it to see what's inside. I couldn't see any other, other plates. Yeah. He's got all of them. Yeah. I think he even mentions that he's got Kess, right? Yeah. he's He's got the Kess crystalline entity... <laughs> Uh, lore plate. <laughs> yeah, I, I I saw that one in there, and I also saw the uh, Bajoran tablet of uh-huh. uh, uh, Horta, <laughs> Tom Riker, and uh, and a Lita plate. Yeah, that was in that special uh, DS Nine series. That was the that was the same series of plates that was uh, Galdicott. <laughs> Mirror Universe Kira and uh, the Klingon chef from from the promenade. I feel like Boimler has come such a long way because when uh, Rutherford brings up that Shax is, is back... He is just as nonchalant about this fact as Mariner would have been in season one, episode one. Yeah. He's like, yeah, that always happens. And uh, they do a fun bit where they kind of rattle off all the mechanisms that exist in Star Trek to bring someone back from the dead. Yeah. Of all the characters, it seems like Rutherford knows the least about Star Trek. Yeah. He's just enjoying being there. (laughs) He is totally flummoxed by the Shaxx thing. And... This is going to be his story yeah. for the rest of the episode. He is warned in this scene. The bridge crew people that get brought back from the dead do not like talking about it. Don't ask. 
It's um, the easiest kind of retcon we could be doing right now. It's very fun yeah. to luxuriate in this concept. So he's on his mission. Boimler is going to be on his get Tom Paris to sign his commemorative plate mission. And Tendi and Mariner are going to be on this shuttle mission to go get this family heirloom for Dr. Katz. And uh, they, they have some material about how it's a weird thing that they have never had a storyline together so far in the show. Right. Kind, of, kind of the show pointing its phaser back at itself a little bit. Yeah, and this is a show that seems to have fallen into a format in season one that it's self-aware enough in season two to break out of. Yeah. I also like that they are playing with that Jet is a cool guy thing. Yeah. Even still, Boimler can't get through a door. Jet offers to uh, wedding night him through it. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like Jet is maybe too cool for Beta Shift, and that's what's going on. Jet can't try hard enough to not be cool with me. <laughs> Jet's back, baby. Boims bails into the Jeffries tubes. I'll show you unauthorized. That's how he's going to get his way up to the bridge to meet Tom Paris. Do you think that when Lieutenant Jeffries gets his space vasectomy, that that's a really funny moment to a Starfleet doctor? <laughs> I like it. There's a, there's an underlying logic that doesn't quite result in a laugh, but it's yeah, it's nice. I don't do a lot of pre-writes on this show, but uh, <laughs> I came to the table with that one. <laughs> the idea of me pre-writing a joke is funnier than the joke itself. When you got to Quaylor 2 in this episode, Adam, did you feel any pangs about the the failure? To have a hoof while you were in Vegas? Yeah, because this is the slushy planet of the galaxy. There's no way that they're doing this at us, right? <laughs> I mean, if they were doing it at us, it would have been a hoof that she was drinking from. Right, exactly. But this yeah. planet, you can get any drink in slushy form. I think we're feeling some confirmation bias watching this show. Yeah. But I also want... I want to believe. I'm like the Fox Mulder... <laughs> doing Star Trek podcast with you in the basement uh -huh. and on the wall is the I want to believe poster and yeah. there's like a hoof slushy drink instead <laughs> of the UFO. Drawn in the lower decks art style. If they started telegraphing that they're doing shit to us, the bag over the head punch in the face of the Kevin <laughs> Uxbridge episode that's coming <laughs> will be less surprising. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, don't blindside us, guys. Come on. They got to ease us into this Uxbridge shit that they're going to do. They're going to do it. Uh, so the thing that they're picking up is a uh, is a libido post. And Dr. Katz's species has a pun far like... Uh, she, she's in heat. She, she needs to fuck. This is, is a... Is this a real cat thing? I've had a cat that's lived in my house for years and I've never known... A fuck post to be a thing, but this is a fixed cat, and but, yeah, Dr. Katz has not been fixed, yeah? yeah? You're a responsible pet owner. Right. And I listen to Bob Barker. Yeah. Dr. Uh, Katz clearly has not. What this thing is is basically a combination totem pole slash dildo. Yeah. And uh, it's the way that Dr. Katz is going to scratch this particular itch. The realization about this is is great, uh, especially with all of the touching that Mariner does. Oh my god, I'm touching it with my bare hands! Put it back, put it back, put it back! Oh, just, just angle it towards no, the back, grab it! When it dawns on them how gross this thing could be, Mariner's uh, hands get a little slippery and uh, drops it on the floor. The, uh, the head breaks off, and that's like maybe the most important part of any dildo. <laughs> What's great about I mean, Mariner... Aside from the flared base. Sure. 
Not a very flared base on this yeah. on this fucking pole. Yeah, risky. <laughs> Mariner's sort of the best person to be in this kind of moment with. She's got resources to yep. bring to bear and people that she knows. And she's got ideas about where they could get this thing fixed. As long as we're back on time. Hey, yeah, 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 we should be. And this kind of starts the part of the episode, which is a lot about Tendi learning a bunch of shit about Mariner that she never knew and Mariner learning a bunch about Tendi that she never knew. Like, Tendi... So, like, Mariner has, like, an anecdote about a time she broke something of wharfs on Deep Space Nine. And then he was like, what? When were you stationed there? And uh, so so they're off to Starbase Earhart, another TNG location. Yeah. This is where uh, Picard got knifed in the in the back after playing Don Jot Human. This is most definitely a hive of scum and villainy, <laughs> especially when you've got uh, the Nosikans involved. Yeah. Nosikans, the sons of bitches of the of the galaxy for sure. <laughs> Real pieces of shit. The alien trash of the galaxy. So apparently that's I've made same... my anti-Nosikan bias <laughs> fairly known up until yeah, now. It, honestly, Adam, me thinks you doth protest too much. It's like you spend so much time going out of your way to make people think that you hate Nosikans. I'm wondering if deep down you feel like you might be a little bit Nosikan. You have no Gramba. No, man. I've, I've got Gramba. <laughs> Don't talk about my Gramba. Fucking Nosikan. <laughs> Pieces of shit. Okay. Fuck you. I think maybe the most surprising thing about a bar that attracts a lot of Nosikans is that there's also a art restoration practice <laughs> happening therein. Yeah. Uh, they, they find out that they are, they're going to be able to get this statue fixed, but they need a lot of latinum to do it. And so they, uh, pull like a Dom Jot hustling operation to, uh, to, to win this money. This is something that the Nausicans take great umbrage with. They feel like they've been hustled by Mariner and Mariner's like, it's not me. If, if you want proof, uh, play against Tendi. Yeah. And she'll beat you just as bad as I have. Tendi almost gets that same knife through her back. I know. Good thing Mariner was right behind her. Tendi ends up accidentally winning, and uh, they need to get the hell out of there. Where were you th- with that, Marta Batanides? <laughs> Could have fucking saved Picard a lot of trouble. I don't think Marta Batanides was running away from any hard objects in that episode. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. I don't feel guilty about anything. Yeah. <laughs> we get a, a little time with Paris on the bridge, Adam. B-Dunks on Lower Decks. Loved hearing that voice. Yeah. Loved seeing uh, Paris in cartoon. I think all of the all the Lower Decks versions of familiar Star Trek characters we've met up until now have been great. Yeah. Not like, not cartoonishly. Uh, you know, like you'll go you'll go sit for uh, for an artist to draw your caricature, and like your forehead will be ten feet tall or whatever. Like, <laughs> like we're not emphasizing parts of these actors at all. They they look. Yeah. They look like themselves. One thing that I was really worried about at the beginning of this episode, seeing Shax, was, oh, no, they probably got rid of Kayshawn. Yeah, but, but Kayshawn's back Kayshawn's here. Kayshawn's in here. Yeah. He's still on the bridge. So uh, maybe not chief of security, or maybe he is and Shax now works for him. Who knows? Rutherford is continually haunted by Shax, and, and it's enough to make you think 
about whether or not Shax is even real sometimes, but yet Shax is having interactions with other people. Yeah. Like Shax in engineering is talking to people. And like, I think my favorite part of the episode is like Rutherford is about to go in to go talk to Shax about what happened and get stepped in front of by another Lieutenant who is like, what the hell happened to you? Lieutenant Ben Harrison asking the weird question when no one else will. And the entire buckets of shit get dropped on Lieutenant Harrison in this moment so fast. It's like he jumped in front of that shit bucket bullet. Yeah. And uh, he gets reassigned. (laughs) He's off the ship. He gets in so much fucking trouble for asking Shax how he came back from the dead. It's great. And so Rutherford is a little bit chastened by this. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Boyms is like crawling around in. The Jeffrey's tube still making his way up to the bridge, and Paris is like asked to uh, to drive the <laughs> Cerritos around the neighborhood, uh, get in the get in the pilot seat, and, and yeah. see what she's made of. That's fun. And, uh, Boimler is caught in a hallway that some like fire is like coming down for some reason, and has to jump through a hatch and beg the computer to like seal it off because the. You know, it's an emergency. The computer is like doing this under protest because he doesn't have authorization technically, but it'll bend the rules just this once. I was uh, I was convinced the plate was going to be melted because he leaves it in the in the fire hallway. You always want to put uh, a towel or a silicone thing over a hot thing on a stove. You may think you remember yeah. that, that something's hot that you're cooking with, but uh, I've made that mistake before. It's a great trick. It's not fun. Yeah. We get a Boimler scream here. Yeah. Which I think we're on a streak for. Yeah. Unbroken. Yeah. Maybe so far in the entire series, unbroken. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals, and they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit 
plus handyman electric face shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So the next stop for Tendi and Mariner is going to be an Orion uh, colony. And uh, I really love the the joke about the optics of Tendi going to a pirate colony of Orion's. Yeah. Because she spent a lot of time talking about how that's like a thing that she is not down with, an ugly stereotype about Orion's that she wants to get away from. And uh, Mariner's like, cool, like I'm not judging, but like, seems weird. This is a through line for Tendi's character that's been there from the start. How much effort she puts into disabusing people of their notions about Orion's. They get there and like she uh, has to uh, put Mariner in green face. Yeah. And very boy, problematic. The stacked joke of the the Orion uh, stereotypes being ugly and bad and Mariner not wanting her picture taken while she's dressed as one. Yeah. Was pretty brutal. I laughed a lot at this stuff and probably some of the best social satire that Lower Decks has done so far because it's it's that like turn turn it just 90 degrees to the left and you see the ugly shit about our own culture and get to laugh about it. Honestly, this feels wrong. I mean, just please don't take any pictures of me. It's what is so clumsy about your standard virtue signal is that it's it's like one-dimensional chess. Hey, come on. That's my stock and trade. <laughs> but like to see it really worked this way, it's so smart and funny. Yeah. It's one of the best parts of this episode for sure. Yeah. So there's kind of like banter where they're learning a bunch of stuff about each other while they uh, go go through this Orion colony and find, I guess it's like Tendi's uncle, right? 
Who's a hunk? Oh yeah, hunky Orion Blacksmith. Yeah, are you kidding? The uh, the pheromones are really working on Mariner. Yeah, on this planet. And this is a through line that happens throughout the episode is like Mariner is disclosing things about her that Tendi didn't know. Tendi's doing the, th- the same with Mariner. And in the moment, they're both like, I can't believe I didn't know that about you. Like, we're supposed to be friends. Yeah. There's this compounding conflict between them that isn't even really a conflict, just a self-awareness of like, I thought I thought we were closer than this. I thought our friendship was genuine. And yeah. it seems like maybe it was surface. Yeah, like like so much painted on green. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Boimler winds up in a Jeffrey's tube that slams a door on him, both in front and behind. Yeah. And uh, he's high as hell because there's fumes in here and he's talking to his Tom Paris plate. The passage of time dishevelment for Boimler throughout the episode I thought was really great. He's looking worse and worse. By the end, he looks like he's in the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Tom Paris plate encourages him to like open a panel and find a way out. Uh, that's what Starfleets do, and uh, there's a really nice like pull out in this scene where it pulls through some like equipment in the ship to a panel that Rutherford has open that he's like fixing some isolinear chips in or something, and uh, he he resolves to learn the secret to not uh, take heed of anyone's warnings. Yeah, he sees Shax getting into a lift, and that is his moment. I know I'm not supposed to ask you how you came back from the dead, but I know it was my fault that you died, and maybe if you tell me how you came back, I won't feel as guilty anymore. Turbo lift halt. And he is told how you come back from the dead, Adam. I really wondered if this episode would say it, would would talk about it directly, because the tease was sufficient for me. Like, yeah. I had enough fun with it that they didn't have to do this, but I think you only pay it off if you can pay it off this hard. Yeah. And they totally pull it off. The payoff is like, like, Shaq starts talking. We do get some specifics, but then like, sound starts warping yeah. and we goes hard, like, closer and closer in on Rutherford's face as horror and dismay washes over it. What were the things that you heard? Because I heard something about about a black mountain and fighting three versions of your dad. Yeah, faceless versions. Yeah. Of <laughs> it sounds like a total nightmare. Yeah, it sounds really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, Boimler crams his plate into some circuits, falls out of a hatch onto the bridge where Tom Paris is. This never would have happened on the D. What's on the roof of the D's bridge? It's just glass. Space. Yeah. yeah. You're not falling through that. No. Bad but... design. These California class ships yeah. badly, badly laid out. Yeah. He has uh, gone full pine cone at this point. And yeah. so Paris mistakes uh, Boims for a Kazon and starts beating him up and, and really tunes him up badly. Paris kicks the shit out of him. Yeah, it's bad. The statue that they're trying to fix... The Orion colony just ke- keeps getting worse and worse. The Nausicans inflicted some damage. The uh, repair process has not even started here on Orion planet. Now they have to run for their fucking lives because Mariner's uh, paint wore off. The cat's out of the bag that she's uh, she's been dolezalling. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, and the Orions are, are, are chasing them. They want to kill them. And the statue gets more and more broken as they affect their escape. They're like climbing up cables. And by the time they're back in the shuttle with it, it is just basically a bag full of splinters. 
And uh, they can't load those back into the crate and show up and uh, give them to Dr. Katz because then Tendi will never get the promotion that she's gunning for. It'll be interesting getting in trouble. I've never done that before. And it's not just that a stressful situation brings two characters who don't know each other together in the end. Like, that's not the mechanism that draws them closer. I think it's really more about the insight that Mariner has here. And like the way that she describes herself in this moment, I thought should feel familiar to a lot of people. She's like, uh, when you when you work in the, in the military the way I do, people are dying and leaving you all the time. Yeah. So it's, it's much better for me if I don't get close to people and just have superficial friendships. But the thing about her description is like, it doesn't account for... Tendy, like right. she and Boims are super close. Yeah. So I think it's it's a little bit flimsy when it comes to this specific friendship. Um, yeah, just a question. Um, in season two, episode three of Lower Decks, a lot of um, conversations happen about why not to form friendships, but there are friendships on the show. So I just wanted to know, um, how do you form friendships? I'm at the convention alone, by the way. Uh, I mean, that should be clear. Looking at the Nausicaan costume I'm wearing. Friendship. Human. Also, I was watching the Domjot game in Star Trek Lower Deck Season 2, Episode 3, and on the shot that Tendi hit, uh, it looked like the ball took a turn that seemed... Uh, like unusual for the table that they were playing on. I was wondering if that was an effect or if that if that was a practical. Get a light. So a lot of that guy <laughs> at the convention. <laughs> uh, Mariner does something that I've been trying to do a little bit more in my life lately, which is just kind of affirmatively declare, "Hey, let's be friends." And uh, her friendship language is uh i'm gonna get you out of this we're gonna get you back on the ship we you know we can't repair the the statue half of it's on that pirate colony at this point but yeah but it's not gonna it's not gonna play as your fault tendy uh this like like you can chase me because i can take it <laughs> i'm not the hero you deserve but i'm the one you need right now <laughs> and so she Puts the shuttle on an intercept course for the Cerritos, and they hit it at full speed. <laughs> I love the shot of the shuttle just bonking the shields. Freeman's incredulity here is played perfectly. <laughs> uh, damage report? None. That was weird. It's a really great take. Oh, man. So funny. And uh, they get aboard. They... Uh, they apologize profusely to Dr. Katz because her her, her dildo is broken. And yeah. Dr. Katz is like, I just wanted to play with the box it came in. Yeah. I'm a cat. It was the box the whole time. It was the box the whole time. So um, the conclusion of that little arc is Dr. Katz hauling the box into her office and being cat in paper bag for right. a minute in a way that was very funny. Giant like Requiem for a Dream pupils. <laughs> There's a cat I sometimes see in my backyard here that, uh, I don't know, is jumping over the fence from the neighbor's yard. I have not convinced this cat to let me say hi to it yet. You'll get that cat eventually. Maybe you should put some boxes in the backyard. That's Maybe what I mean help. to do. Yeah. Um, so we have uh, some brig hangs, which seems like it's going to be kind of a 
a rhythm to these episodes. Yeah. The Mariner, Mariner behind a force field, everybody else hanging out with her. And uh, Boehm's is back. He's got his... Uh, his authentication error fixed. He also has a black eye. Yeah, and and is really geeked out about the fact that that was delivered to him by uh, Tom Paris. You know, we could have been punched in the face at Star Trek Las Vegas from any number of stars in yeah. the show. And we I, saw Garrett Wong. He could have punched us in the face. Uh, he would have kicked our asses. It would have been easy for him. It yeah. would have been easy for all of them. Yeah. Nicole DeBoer could have punched me in the face easily. Mary Wiseman. She could have thrown that she, plexiglass barrier she could have to the side. Held me under the pool water until the bubble stopped. <laughs> Glad she didn't. Yeah. It's good that nobody tried to kill us yeah. at Star Trek Las Vegas. We get Klingon punk rock music to credits. This was uh this is a story beat from earlier. Yeah. Teddy's I, really into Klingon punk rock, and so is Mariner, but they just didn't know it. Just never talked about it. It's yeah. Kind of like us in Star Trek. I mean, it's why we're not friends, Ben. Right. I mean, we don't want to get too close. Otherwise, we'd get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Podcast co-hosts are just come and go so fast. It would be foolish to form a strong connection. Can't do that. <laughs> time like that. I wanted to ask you this because I kind of feel like I have a strong feeling here. Rutherford is haunted at the end of this episode. Yeah. He is totally spooked by what has been told to him by Shax. Right. Do you think that that ever comes up again or not is this a Jordy is going to need tons of therapy to get over the time the Romulans abducted him and then we never hear of it again or is it going to be a part of Rutherford's character going forward yeah it definitely is not I think Rutherford needs some kiwi ketchup <laughs> to give it a name like I think I think he needs something else as a part of his character so I'm inclined to say yeah but I'm gesturing behind me. The entirety of Star Trek history would say no. <laughs> I kind of, for that reason, love the idea of it just never coming up again as yeah. a bit. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about it. This this show really makes up the rules about what it treats as as a going concern and what it doesn't, though. Yeah, but it, yeah in, in a very Calvin Ball kind of way. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like it could or couldn't, and neither would surprise me at this point. The one thing that I am a thousand percent certain of are my great feelings about Shaq's being back. Yeah. Hey, Adam, did you like this episode, though? I liked this episode a lot. Up until the moment Dr. Katz... Her name is Dr. Tana! ...gets into the box. <laughs> and here's why. I think this show has taught me how smart it is, and how good it can be at crafting the joke three-dimensionally. Yeah. And that moment about Mariner in green earlier is is an example of this, that when Dr. Katz acts like a cat, <laughs> it's the easiest joke. Yeah. And because the show is so good, I'm surprised when it goes for the square laugh. It's not even that it's a square laugh. I feel like maybe... Like, that felt like something, like, from BoJack season one. Like Yeah, that's a good comp. Like an animal character doing a thing that an animal would while also being a person. I mean, Dr. McGlemo doesn't do bird shit, does he? Oh, he does bird shit, Adam. Mm. He makes big old bird shits out of his cloaca. Uh-huh. I mean, 
I think it's funnier when Dr. Katz talks about shaving her pussy than, <laughs> than actually seeing her get into the box. And I think that says probably more about me than it does about the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think that's where I'm at with this episode specifically. Like, I'm, I'm loving the hell out of the season, and I think this is another really fun and funny episode. Yeah. But that scene at the end, especially where it occurs, like to have that be the sort of like slide whistle part of it after an episode that up until then had been so smart with its comedy. Yeah. I don't know. That's where I'm at. What about you? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not as, I didn't turn on the episode in that moment <laughs> the way you did. So I, I'm going to put this up there, uh, as a, a really good episode of lower decks. Yeah. Personally, I think that, uh, uh, season two is off to a really good start. I think that, yeah. uh, like episodes two and three in particular have been uh really really terrific so uh i'm into it but uh i'm also in this p1 inbox in a big way you know what i say you get into that p1 inbox and your pupils got really big priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel ben our first priority one message is of a promotional nature infinite diversity in infinite combinations. This is the defining reason that Star Trek continues to inspire generations of fans. BravoFleet.com is a community built to engage a casual fan or cosplay regular through online gaming, competitions, discussion, and creative writing. We bring together the entire community of fans to celebrate our infinite diversity through infinite combinations. Join our Discord, immerse yourself in our shared canon, and enjoy all that Star Trek means to you. So join the fleet today and take command of your own unique future at bravofleet.com. Uh, wow, bravofleet.com. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Go, uh, go, go meet some new peeps that are into the same stuff as you. It's so easy to add another Discord to your Discord. You just uh, join another Discord and then your Bravo Fleet shows up on the left-hand nav bar. Yeah. Our next Priority One message here is from Michael Rizzo, and it's to Ben and Adam and Bree and all FODs everywhere. Goes like this. Big thank you for a raucous pool party hang at the Rio during hashtag STLV and a way to hit you back for those cocktails you brought you bought. Hope Adam found the electronic craps table or at least more bubble craps. P.S. Hope this doesn't entice other FODs to show up looking for free drinks. <laughs> PPS, or what my theory presupposes is maybe it will? Hashtag crotch dice. <laughs> wow. So we know Michael Rizzo was there. Yeah. A lot of references to things that happened in the cabana. <laughs> yeah. The, uh... I think really that's all we can say. Yeah. About what happened I, in the cabana. I don't wanna I don't wanna clarify any of that. Yeah. We'd probably get in a lot of trouble if we did. I did find the bubble craps. I did find the NBA jam style craps table. Oh wow, cool. I played it with uh with friend of the show Ben Fritz and uh Danny. It was a ton of fun. Oh nice. Yeah. Good times. Wow, well if you'd like to get a P one, head to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron. Book it today! Yeah, look at those P1s fill up. Yeah. It's nice to see them full. Helps us support the show. Yeah. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself an Edward Larkin? I got the Edward Larkin! 
did, I think I'm going to just give it to Boims this episode because he was so, so deranged. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made up. <laughs> uh, that determination to get that signature, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. Um, but uh, but he really goes through something in this one. He's like he's like four lights leveled disheveled by the end of this. I agree with you. He's also going to be my Edward Larkin. And I mean, there's, I think the show does a really good job at like going broad with, with someone's comedy trauma, <laughs> but also like at many points in time, Boimler is having an existential crisis about where he belongs. Yeah. And a funny way to put it is that the computer doesn't recognize you and the doors don't open, <laughs> but on an existential level, he is between ships Yeah. and it fucks him up. I kind of thought that they were going to like be writing to some we're in a pocket dimension where Shaq still exists and Boimler doesn't or something like that. Especially and, when that first Shaq scene happens in engineering. Yeah. Uh, he's asked how he's feeling and he says, I'm still having flashbacks, even one right now. I was I was totally primed for this to be a uh, it was all a dream kind of app. It really felt like they were setting it up like with the hey, what are we going to do today? Some sci fi crap. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, man, I. One thing I'm really especially appreciating about the episodes we've gotten so far in season two is that they are not the whole ship is getting fucked up by X, yeah. which seemed like a bell they rang a lot in season one. Yeah. And this is a episode with a bunch of fun storylines that feel naturally suited to this show and uses fun misdirection about what expectations it has set up for us so far. I really, really appreciate all those qualities almost as much as I appreciate getting the episodes early. <laughs> if anyone is listening, those those uh, ep episodes six through ten would be great <laughs> to get a little bit early. All right, Adam. Well, I, uh, I don't know much about what our next episode is going to be, but I can tell you what the what the title is. Lay it on me. It's going to be called uh, Mugato Gumato, Adam. Huh. Isn't Mugato the name of the Will Ferrell character in Zoolander? That's exactly where my mind went. <laughs> what are we doing? Is he going to be like a special guest character? What's, what's happening? Huh. That's all we got to go on. Yep. All right. That's what we've got. Episode four. Episode four coming at you next week here on The Greatest Discovery... Now, why don't you listen to these fucking credits? <laughs> hey, we work hard on those credits. <laughs> the Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. Hey, thanks a lot to John Champion and the folks at Roddenberry Entertainment for having me on their show during Star Trek Las Vegas. I think we proved to each other, if there can be peace between our Star Trek podcasts, that may be... There can be peace in the rest of the world. Really makes you think, huh? Anyway, we love making The Greatest Discovery, and the only reason we can is because it's supported by the audience that listens to it. I'm talking about you. If you don't already, you can support the show financially at MaximumFun.org join, or emotionally, by writing a nice review about it or telling a friend. Thanks also to Adam Ragusea, who made the theme and interstitial music for The Greatest Discovery way back when new Star Trek shows were just a twinkle in Alex Kurtzman's eye. 
When the goose isn't making music for us, he's probably pulling something delicious out of a hot oven on his wildly popular YouTube channel for his millions of subscribers. We love that guy. We also love Bill Tilly. He's our social media director who runs the at greatest trek on Twitter and Instagram accounts. If you've noticed anything different about those lately, it's because me and Ben have taken them over while Bill has been on a well-deserved vacation during the month of August. His job is hard, and we're looking forward to having him back. Those social media accounts, along with the Discord at DrunkShimoda.com, the Reddit page, r slash GreatestGen, and the many Facebook groups and pages are a regular source of fun for so many people. If you've got something to share anywhere on social media, use the hashtag GreatestGen so all the friends of DeSoto can see it. All right, that's going to do it. If you meet us here next week, we promise to have a new episode of The Greatest Discovery to give you. Sound like a good deal? I think so. See you then. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.